Welcome to Miss You, Sires and Abs. I'm Kevin Weir. I'm Aaron Weir, and this is a teen drama penultimate episode. Yes, we are coming to the end of the OC, so we have a very exciting episode. The forever end. We have one more episode to watch, and there will never be another mm. OC episode again unless they decide to do that musical again. Aaron, I have something to tell you about this episode. I remember this episode. What? I remember things from this episode. So... I bet I watched it. I bet I watched it live. Like, well, because I remember, I remember scenes. I remember moments. I remember like characters. And the reason I know it specifically jumps out to me is because there's a character in this episode who only appears in this episode, but they really treat him like he's been around for a while. They sure do do that, and he <laughs> teaches a main character a nothing. lesson that she doesn't <laughs> need to be taught. Nothing teaches nothing. But I remember that all of that stuff, like. It's, it's, it's like in this weird hazy memory. Like clearly I didn't sit down and watch no, it. But, but I think probably you were like watching it on TV while I was doing homework yeah, or something. Probably while it was airing. Like it was pro- – I probably watched it like while it was on TV yeah. happening. I don't remember it, but – Yeah, because this would have been 2008. Yeah. So we were living in the same house? The yeah, yeah. Because yeah. I, w- I graduated from university in 2009 and I lived at home during university. Right. Yeah, because I know, I know I graduated high school in 2009. Mm. Um. So I must have been, like, doing some sort of – because the, the way our house was set up is that there is the the living room where you'd watch stuff. And the kitchen. Yeah. And even if I watched it downstairs on the big TV, you could have been in, like, that enclosed area where the Nintendo TV was. Yeah, maybe. So it's just, it just watching this, I'm like – and the thing is, at the time, I didn't, I didn't know that it was, like, the second to last episode – because it, it doesn't... <laughs> it does not feel like a second last episode. Like, I don't actually feel like any storylines are resolved. Yeah, no, it's... It really feels like it... I mean, I think they did exactly what they wanted to do, but boy, do I not know what they wanted to do. Yeah, they made a choice, and I know they feel good about it. Yeah. Because it's a pretty tight, explorative episode. Yeah, and it's pretty... Like, they, they, they have reoccurring images that they go back to. And they do call back to a lot of earlier stuff. They really call back to yeah, yeah, earlier we, stuff. Yeah, we, we, get a lot, we get a lot of stuff where it's, you know, kind of looking back. Almost the point that I thought there was going to be clips. <laughs> <laughs> Good on them for not doing that. Yeah, but that might yeah. be next episode. Yeah. What is this finale going to be? I don't know. I don't know. It's it's so weird that that they they came to the end of this, and I feel like they're like, and then it's done. Like you see one thing that's going forward, but the rest of us, all their storylines are done. And I'm like, I'm not You're happy. Like, are they done? Because <laughs> it feels like you just told us they're done. I feel like these characters have so much more to explore. <laughs> like I feel like they started these characters on a new journey. And well, and the weird thing is, that I feel like they started them on the new journey after they knew that this series was ending. Yeah. It's like it's like Josh Schwartz was like, I had like a spinoff. Maybe maybe I can get one of these people into a spinoff, which he tried to do with a uh, Gossip Girl. He tried to like jam these two worlds together. Yeah, it didn't work. They did not like the network was like, no, <laughs> we will, we'll get one. One storyline, which I did not realize was an ongoing storyline, will kind of get resolved, but not in a good way. And, like, why was that storyline... Like, what motivated the resolution of that storyline? Well, I mean, I guess we just sort of have to get into it. So this is The O.C. Season 4, Episode 15, 
The Night Moves. The Night Moves, which is actually one of the most appropriate episode titles we've had. So we begin right where we left off with the China cabinet. <laughs> Falling on Ryan and Taylor. Yeah. And, and f- it falls closer to them than I thought it well, would. For a while, it actually kind of looks like it did the thing that I thought it would is where it, it landed land on, on, the the, bed. on the bed. But no, it just lands straight on Ryan's back. And Ryan is just using his muscly superhero back to hold it up. And for a good couple of seconds, it really seems like he really took it like a champ like he's just like all right i'm gonna push up a little bit and you're gonna crawl out and then then i'm gonna crawl the other way yeah but the way the scene is shot you know (laughs) something is wrong he's very good because he's like lying down on the ground like kind of half fallen over the cabin just like yeah you know and he's like he's very limp (laughs) like i thought maybe his legs were trapped yeah spoiler alert that's not that no uh we get a little bit of Taylor freaking out while she's like, oh my god, am I bleeding? What's this? What's happening? Oh, I have a preparedness kit. <laughs> so Taylor has an apocalypse kit. Yes. And Taylor always thought she was really good in an emergency. But in a shocking turn of events, as an 18-year-old, she was not cool when a china cabinet fell on herself and her boyfriend. Can I say how much I enjoy that? This is the fir- this is the first indication of this, and how much this house is just three different people's houses mm. that, that apparently live in one quantum state. Because, what do you mean you have a preparedness kit, Taylor? You've been here for, like... Four months? <laughs> maybe? Well, she only moved in. Remember, she's been living... She moved in, like, October. May- yeah, maybe? Or, no, Thanksgiving. Because um, Kirsten found Taylor in the Cohen house on Thanksgiving stealing food. Right. So she moved in at Thanksgiving. Yeah. And now it's March? But but she was like, oh, I've all like I have this preparedness kit that has always been in this house that apparently I live in. So her preparedness kit has everything. We'll learn more about this moving on. But uh Ryan is like, yeah, get that preparedness kit. <laughs> and he pull, then he like touches his bag and pulls a hand forward, and it's so much blood. Soaked in blood. This this episode has taught me that Ryan is the kind of jerk who hides the zombie bite. Okay, do you think this is out of character, though? I do. Here, no, here's the thing. I, I know, I know a creator can't make their character out of character, but Ryan, Ryan is not going to be like, it's, Taylor, I need to tell you something very serious. You need to be chill. It's the sort of thing where he he does a few things that seem in character, then he takes him to an out of character place. It's, in in this episode, he he seems like he is he's a caricature of himself. Because the thing is... He's not with Marissa. Yeah. And he should know by this point in the season that we've belabored this point. Taylor is not Marissa. Taylor kind of freaked out when a china cabinet fell on them. And, and the, the best he got that, like, this could be bad is that she goes, oh, my God, am I bleeding? Oh, no, I have a thing about blood. And that apparently was the reason why he went, oh, well, then I can't tell her that I'm stabbed. Because <laughs> uh, we're just going to tell you now. He's stabbed in the back with a giant piece of glass yeah. from the china cabinet. Yeah, and we don't know how deep it is. No, and we will never know. No. 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 Uh, but yeah, so he's uh, he's behind the zombie bite. Meanwhile, let's go check in what's going on elsewhere. And this is Sandy and Kirsten, and they're at the plaza. And there is a radio news broadcast being played over a the type of radio that you like crank to make play. Yeah. Because maybe people had that then. Yeah. And Sandy... Is in charge of this earthquake. I mean, I, I think if you're in an area that 
it is prone to a lot of like like an earthquake or mm-hmm. something like that. You have you I mean we like our area we're kind of preparedness for tornadoes. Yeah. But like if we lived in like rural Saskatchewan, you We'd would be want very prepared. You probably have all and the radio stuff. I'm sure Sandy has been like the earthquake warden at various <laughs> workplaces because he steps in and a woman's like, well, what, "What? No one's allowed to leave here. They're supposed to stay where they are because it's safer. What yeah. are we supposed to do? What if people are hungry? What are, what are we supposed to do?" As the bookcase owner, as the bookstore owner, and Sandy's like, "Lady, you've been in one episode. Don't worry." <laughs> I, what I what I really enjoy is that people will constantly be like like. Not just like she brings it up, but people can be like, "Oh, looters! What well, looters come? Looters come by." There's never any looters. In fact, when we see like the homeless people who you think would be like, "Oh, they're the looters," they're just chilling out. Yeah. So I, I love this. I love this constant fear from all these <laughs> rich people being like, "What if the looters come and no one cares?" Well, especially because all these people are in the plaza. <laughs> You're not going to be able to loot. Yeah. Everyone's going to see you. Yeah. And this whole thing takes place over like. Only a couple hours. So Sandy gets everyone calmed down. It's all going to mm-hmm. be cool. And he goes to check on Kirsten, and Kirsten is totally fine. She's a little bummed she hasn't reached her kids yet. But then immediately her phone rings. Yeah, this, this will begin the trend of re- of reception being incredibly specific. Mm-hmm. Like, right now, Ryan originally couldn't get hold of anyone, until, so he had to leave the room. Though he could have been lying, I guess. Oh, he was totally lying, so he could go look at his back in a mirror. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it's not the first time. There's all the times where someone can't get hold of one person, but they can get hold of someone else, and then someone else can get hold of that person. There is a specific storyline that's very that. So, so Ryan gets a hold of Kirsten, and yeah. he's like, oh, we're at, the, we're at the Cooper house. We're fine. Ryan. <laughs> Not you won't even tell Kirsten, who's not with you and definitely doesn't care about blood. So Kirsten says, "Yeah, stay at if you're at the Cooper house and it's safe, stay there." Mm-hmm. And then, meanwhile, at the exact same time, Sandy Seth, gets hold of Seth, and Seth's like, "Yep, Ryan's car is super oh. destroyed." Oh, yeah, can we mention the fact that they, the the thing they ended the last episode with that uh, pole falling on them, and it was like, "Oh my god!" Did they? We don't even see the resolution from them. They're but just... we, we knew they were safe because they rolled out of the car. Yeah, because we knew that that pole. Hit the car, and like, they were out of the car. Like, I guess you could be like, oh, well, I guess because it's tilted over, it could hit the car, then hit them. But we don't, but we just sort of come back, and they're like, yeah, we're fine. So uh, Summer is, like, trying to collect the gifts, and Seth, and Sandy's like, okay, go back to our house. Be totally fine. Go yeah. back to our house. Yeah. And Sandy, or Seth's like, yeah, go back to our house. And he gets a text from Ryan that's like, something is very wrong. Please come to the Cohen house. Don't tell Summer. No, the Cooper house. The Cooper house. <laughs> Too don't many t- names. Yeah, don't tell Summer. Can we, oh, can we mention for a fact that everybody constantly refers to it as the Cooper House? Not, not <laughs> the Roberts House. Which not Summer's house. It's Summer still lives there. It's still owned by her dad. It is no way the Cooper House. <laughs> but everyone refers to it as, oh, the Cooper House. You know, the Cooper House. Oh, Julie, just able to wipe everyone's minds and <sighs> ah, Julie. Julie's oddly likable in this episode, and I don't like it. <sighs> anyway, now we have what will be an ongoing visual thing this episode. Yeah. Which is a montage set to sad music of snapshots, but moving snapshots yeah. of people recovering from the earthquake. <laughs> yeah, the the best thing I can compare it to, <laughs> which is a <laughs> wild thing to compare it to, but in 24, before they go to commercial, they show where everybody is at that moment. 
Yeah. It's the reverse of that, and it's sad, not tense. It's, in fact, considering that this was like a natural disaster, this episode is devoid of tension. Any tension. Even, even, like, I even found it hard to get tense during, like, this scene where Seth is, like, trying to get somewhere to go to the house, and there's, like, emergency vehicles going the other direction, and he's like, oh, my God, something's wrong with Ryan, but I can't tell Summer. I didn't care because I think Ryan's doing something stupid. <laughs> it just – it feels like a, like, picking up the pieces rather than being in the midst of an emergency. Yeah. And I think it is supposed to feel like we're in the midst of the emergency, but really we're just like, well, oh. Well, consider- considering, spoiler, we will get an aftershock, yeah. which means it is still going Oh, yeah, on. and they do talk about aftershocks a couple times, yeah. but anyway. So Seth is riding with Summer on the front of the bike, and is this bike for Taylor? They stole that bike. It was on the back of the Jeep before. Oh, so it's Taylor's gift. And it like there was a... They were in charge of Taylor's gifts. Right, yeah. They are getting they got her a bike. So um they're biking and Summer's like, Why are we going to my house? And Seth, I guess, took what Ryan said to heart. So he makes actually a very, very good point. <laughs> that Summer will hold on for the rest of this episode. That no one has told him where pancakes is. Yeah, so Summer We'll run with that to the point where, where like, she at one point she makes an indication that maybe it's actually covering for her wearing somewhere else. But she also seems legitimately worried about <laughs> Which pancakes. Which is fair. You should worry about your pets in an earthquake. Yeah, yeah. Pancakes can't run. It's a rabbit. He, he can apparently get into wild places. Yeah, we'll, we'll learn about that. All right, so they, they head back off. And we have to catch in with the only group we haven't seen yet. And that's Julie and Caitlin. They're in the ice cream shop, and Caitlin's looting. just... Yeah, Caitlin <laughs> is looting. <laughs> now, I did wonder. I was like, oh, just no one... Where, for, where's the for, owner? Yeah, for a while, it was like, wait, did, is it only Caitlin and Julie? There's no one else shop? No, no, there's one person. This one teenage nerd comes on out. Yeah, we'll learn his name is Gary. Garrett. No, it's Gary. It's Garrett. I'm sure it's Gary. That's what Julie calls him. Because well, she's friends with him now. Well, yeah, but nobody corrects her. He doesn't correct her, and she's the one who refers to him by by that name the most. This show did a bad job of making that joke, then, <laughs> if that's the case. So, um, he's a nerd. Yes. And it is very, very obvious that he's an awkward teen, and he's a real nerd. It's very, very obvious also that he likes Caitlyn. So obvious. He knows her ice cream order. And... He will get it for her right away. Yeah. And Julie's... Julie is... Does not care about him. It's like, yeah, we yeah. should try to do something to get out of this building. Julie makes a very weird decision that's like, oh, we we have to leave. We can't sit around waiting to be rescued. And my question is, why? Because no one knows there's anyone in the ice cream shop. I mean... It was probably shutting down His owner night. would. Like, the manager would. Well, if it was in the process of shutting down for the night, though, he may have been like, oh, Garrett probably got out. Now, Garrett's parents should know where he is. <laughs> yeah, like, the... the <sighs> I don't, also, I don't. I don't agree with 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 her. Like like her immediately. Like, oh, we have we have to leave this place. We 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 can't. Like every nobody actually wants to stay where they are during the emergency. To be fair, they are in an ice cream shop that's on a piece of wood that is jutting out into the ocean. That's what I was going to bring up. Like if they if at some point even some even just like made a casual mention in this entire storyline of nonsense of being like. We're sitting on a plank of the wood over over water. I don't want to be here when it falls in. I guess maybe we're just supposed to know that. <laughs> also, Julie doesn't want to hang out with this nerd anymore. Yeah, there we go. 
Let's be real. So, but is she going to climb on the roof? No. No, she's going to send. She's going to send Gary Garrett up on the roof. That nerd. That he nerd. can climb. Yeah. Meanwhile, Taylor has a personal safety device in her apocalypse kit. Yeah. It is a radio. It is a flashlight. It is a cell phone charger. It can find true north. <laughs> it's got a camp compass in it. Yes. It does many things. Yeah. And Ryan's really trying to listen they've lit <laughs> so many candles but he's losing so much blood and taylor's like you are extremely unwell also the fact that like you they don't show it in the scene but you know just before that she was like here's the gauze and here's the <laughs> painkillers and here's all these things in case one of us gets injured and he's like yeah <laughs> it really suck if someone got injured and she's like i have forceps you can you can take anything out of a wound with these forceps <laughs> Now, I would not remove the guy because you do not know how deep it is. She probably also has, like, suturing. <laughs> but, but, like, I, we learned later that he just took a towel and put it near it. And he's keeping his jacket on so she can't see. Yeah. Um, then so they, she offers him her space blanket. Yeah. They do turn on the radio and they hear that they that someone has died. There's been the first fatality. And I assumed it was Frank because <laughs> Julie has been trying to call Frank. It's the scene before has Julie trying to call Frank and can't get hold of him. And then, and because Taylor and Ryan look at each other and go, no reason it's anyone we know. Yeah. Taylor is thinking about her mom. Yes. Because her mom hasn't called her. Which, fair enough. All right. Uh, she also points out that her mom doesn't drink a lot of milk, so she has brittle bones, and she's also afraid of the dark. Yeah, Taylor freaks out a little bit myself. And then she's like, we should go to my mom's house. And Ryan's like, no. We should stay here because Seth and Summer are coming. And then, then Taylor gives the counterpoint to her own argument. Which is, everyone's supposed to stay where they are. <laughs> like, well... And then, because Ryan... I, but I'm going to give him the benefit of the, ba- of the doubt because, you know, he's currently losing a lot of blood. He's going to be like, yeah, you're right. We should stay where we are. To be fair, Taylor's also freaking out. She has her apocalypse, apocalypse kit, but that's all she has. <laughs> yeah, she's freaking out. <laughs> he's losing a lot of blood. Meanwhile, Sandy is delivering inspirational speeches at the pier. No one should be afraid. There will be no looters. We have food. We have tacos. We have great literature. Yeah, no, you're you're fine. You're in a mall. <laughs> you're you're in a, you're in an open air mall. Same to where the roof falling on you. You're in the safest place you could be. And probably not the safest place. It could still, but still, yeah, you're Sandy Cohen. Yeah, I mean the thing you got to worry about is those those um. <laughs> benches flying up in the air, turning and spinning 180 degrees and then coming back down. But only one of them did that. Only one of them did that. We do hear mention of that. Apparently, this is not the first time he's, like, led in a... In an emergency situation. Yeah, Berkeley 1989. I'm sure there was another earthquake. He also inspired people. Yeah. Uh, so and he gets a phone call. Yep. And it's Frank! <laughs> so Frank is not dead. Frank can call Sandy. But Frank... At this point, I'm, has I, not heard from Julie and Caitlin. Yeah, so I'm... Like, Julie was leaving a voicemail for him. So was he trying to call Julie and they were just, like, ships crossing in the night? And he's like, I give up. <laughs> so he's in his car. He's stuck on a road because the cars have nowhere to go. People yeah. are walking past him like it's the friggin' zombie apocalypse. Yeah. And when he talks to Sandy, he's like, oh, okay. So Ryan's at the Cooper house. And also Julie's at the Cooper house. And Sandy's like, I don't know, dude. She's not my wife. <laughs> I know where Kirsten is. You find your wife. <laughs> She's not his wife, but no, no. you find your very bad girlfriend. <laughs> Hate both of you. 
Uh, Seth and Summer do arrive at the Cooper house at that moment. That's right. And immediately, immediately, Summer needs to go find pancakes. So she takes Taylor with her. But then also immediately, immediately, (laughs) Seth and Ryan is like, we gotta go. We gotta leave. For supplies. (laughs) No, Seth does know something's up, so he's like, yeah, we're going to run out of supplies really soon, so we're going to go and get them. We'll be back before you know it. And then he's like, what is going on? And Ryan's like, I'm fine. Let me show you my back. <laughs> he's got the big gold glass shard in there. I like how he's like, oh, Taylor can't handle this, but Seth can. Yeah, Seth, the person you want the... I'm sorry, Summer is 100% the person you call on in this situation. Summer, Summer Roberts. Yeah, like, I guess you're supposed to be like, oh, but they're so close. I'm like, yeah, but he th- he knows this is not a good situation for Seth. And if he has enough people helping him, yeah. Taylor doesn't have to see his back. Yeah, you. I don't, like, he literally, literally they get there and there's three other people uninjured and him injured. And he's like, I better leave this situation with the one guy who... Clearly, this is going to stress him out and freak him out. And, like, yeah, I get it. He doesn't want Taylor to see his back. Like, he didn't want to show it to her when they were alone. Yeah. Why are not the three, the <laughs> four of them working together? I guess because Seth talked about pancakes. Like, maybe Ryan's thought was, okay, <laughs> we'll get Summer and Seth there, and then we'll all go together. And he was like, ah, oh, shoot, the bunny. No, the the problem with this I is don't that, believe that. Is that, but... that this is the most plot-contrived thing it's it's almost like what they did because this will eventually go into ryan and seth on the road and summer and taylor at the cooper roberts house looking for pancakes because we'll just say this now pancakes broke out of yeah her his cage and it's almost like it's almost like whoever wrote the last episode they gave this like all right here's here's the situation you ended with and the person who got the script was like i don't like where how these people are set up i want to switch them so found some contrived reason to get Seth and Ryan onto the road. And, and then get, to put Summer so, and Taylor together. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's what it feels, it feels like. somebody decided to spend a good half of this episode coming with a contrived reason because he didn't like the situation they ended up in. Yeah, it's so dumb. Like, oh, I don't have a story for uh, Ryan and Taylor. Ryan I, and Taylor are fine. They but, fixed their problems. But I do have a story <laughs> for... <laughs> wouldn't that be... A, like, couldn't it also be a cool story of, of Taylor... Had if Taylor, because Taylor is so competent, yeah, for her to like come to a situation where she doesn't know what to do and has to like deal with an unexpected circumstance. And if you and and it could even be like she's she likes no, I can handle this. And Ryan's like, please, like you like you can't. This is not something you need to handle. I will handle it. You just have to drive me. That's the other thing. They had a car at that house. She could have driven him to the hospital thirty minutes ago. Anyway, while this is going on in a dumber storyline, Garrett f- climbs up to the roof and yeah. comes back down and is like, "We're left alone on an island. The pier has been washed out." I'm like you're on the pier. Yeah, you're small, but if the pier is not going to stay if the rest of it goes, yeah, but you, okay, you you should be more concerned now. But this just makes me like, well, I guess we're just going to have to sit around and hang out. So, we'll come back to that storyline, but first, a montage. And this montage, it's the same montage as before, where it's like snapshots of things. But this one ends with Seth driving, and because this show is full of plot contrivances, contrivances, 
Seth has decided to take a shortcut and has gotten lost on the way to the hospital, which we will later find out you can bike to. Do you want both me? He didn't have to say, I got lost. He, he could have just said that the roads were... Yeah, the roads just could have been jammed. So, he, so he tried to them. find a way around, and that's why the bike could get through, because the bike doesn't have to worry about that. You didn't have to have why a... Why did like... you have to make him a dumbo? <laughs> Like, it makes perfect sense they'd be on a back road alone. Yeah. Because the highway, we saw it. Frank was on it. It was jammed with cars. You could even have gone to this moment if he, if they arrived and Ryan revealed he was injured. And like, we got to get you to hospital. And Seth's like, I'll take him. Like, you didn't have to do this weird hiding thing. Yeah. The hiding thing was unnecessary. It just made him look... That much more irresponsible. And pancakes also could have been missing, and Summer could have been like, oh, "I want to go with you guys, but I, I have to find my rabbit." I mean, and Taylor could have been torn, yeah. and then been like, "You know what? I will stay." Well, I mean, Seth, you take Ryan. They, they could have even said like, "Like, you know, it could be dangerous on the roads. Not all of us should go." Mm-hmm. Like, they could have done this in a way that still would have been emotionally like Taylor and Ryan being like saying goodbye, bye, and. and him being gravely injured, that have been very... Instead, Taylor, this entire episode, has no idea anything is going on, ever. And I guess they I guess they thought, like, oh... So Taylor, in this episode, will be continually worried about her mom, as yeah. we revealed earlier. So maybe they're like, Taylor has too many things to think about. <laughs> Taylor can think about two things at once. Yeah. Uh, so I don't know if we mentioned this, but Seth does get a flat tire, and then, ooh, now they're stuck on the road. Ooh. ooh. Back in the dumb storyline, Julian. Actually, this is really cute. Yeah. Julie and Caitlin are singing night moves. Yeah, they have the lit by candles, which are birthday numbers. And they are singing into ice cream cones. Mm-hmm. And creepy Gary Garrett loves this. Yep, Gary listens in, and he's having a lot of fun. They learn in this scene that he is, in fact, you know, a loser, quote unquote. He's alone. He clearly likes Caitlyn. You know what makes him a loser is his actions, not his interests. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, though, he, but here's the thing, though. We don't know. This character has never been seen before. I bet he'll never be seen again. But they treat him like this is the accumulation of his storyline. A guy who we don't know. Who is a nerd is now in his ice cream parlor with Julie Cooper and Caitlin Cooper, and he, hot girls. Yeah, and he's like, oh, you'll never know it's me. I can't even confirm with you if they go to the same school. It's unknowable. <laughs> or if she just goes into his, his And if ice she cream. just goes to his ice cream shop and he's expecting her to love him because he gives her ice cream, that's unreasonable. It doesn't matter how hot he could be, that's unreasonable. The, the problem is that I can't make, a, make an honest judgment on Gary Garrett – Jerome, because I don't know anything about him, despite this episode's insistence that we should know about him. And that we should feel for him. We should feel for him. But what I will tell you is, his actions in this episode do not make me feel for him. The the actions he takes in this episode will only work if we had known him, and this is the accumulation of a romantic... Because this this is is rom-com nonsense. Yeah, this is rom-com nonsense, but that only but rom-com nonsense only works in a rom-com where we're invested in the characters, not when you introduce a dude. And right now what I like is that Caitlin and Julie are singing together. Yeah. And Julie used to sing this song to Caitlin when she was a baby because it was the only song that Julie knew all the lyrics to, which I love. <laughs> I I also do want to give a little bit, bit to um Gary Garrett for for, for being like it's a little bit inappropriate considering <laughs> I only knew that one and pour some sugar on me. And he's like, "Ah, 
Okay. So Gary Garrett Jerome reveals that he, or um, it's just like Julie and Caitlin kind of teasing him, but kind of being like, well, what about you? You're a hot young man. And he's like, no, but there is one girl. <laughs> he has a girlfriend in Canada is the way he plays it, essentially. And Caitlin's like, ah, it's a girl you've never asked out, but who you love. Yeah. So, so they decide to give him a makeover. Gary's going to get a makeover. And it's not a very good makeover, by the way. We'll learn later. Essentially, he... They take off his glasses, remove his apron, and that's about it. I think Julie does cut his hair with her nail scissors a little bit. A little bit. His hair's gross, though. It is greasy. Yeah. In one scene, it looks like he somehow degreased his hair. To be fair, he's been wearing a hat all day in a in an <laughs> ice true. cream shop. In California. In California. He wasn't planning on taking that hat off. But they take it off. So S- Ryan and Seth on the road. And the tire is blown, and Ryan's like, all right. I gotta be a dad one last time. I'm gonna teach you how to change a flat. And Seth is objectively the most annoying Seth has ever been. There's no way I could possibly do that. Something physical? Something... But to be fair, Seth's best friend is dying in front of him. So he is allowed to... Yeah. Seth has always been his coping mechanism for things is jokes. So you know what? This is in character for Seth. And to be fair, he still does it without putting up much of a fight other than the joke fight. And so he starts doing it, and he's, like, quietly freaking out, and he's like, Hey, Ryan, did I ever tell you that when I was a little kid, I was a real worrier? And the way I dealt with my worries is by making lists of things? Yeah, so he suggests, let's make a list. Now, eventually, this will grow into something different, but initially, he's like, let's make a list of everyone you've punched. In the face since you moved to Newport. <laughs> now, now... They actually, it's not actually a list of everyone he's punched. It's, it's a list, list of, of times he's punched. Because the first three are all Luke. And then they're like, did Holly's dad come next? And I forgot about when he punched Holly's dad. Well, he does say this, it was more of a tackle, which is true. It was more of a tackle. That's right, because Holly's dad punched Jimmy. Yes, that's what it was. Holly's <laughs> dad punched Jimmy. And I forgot that was Holly's dad. Mm. Oh, Holly, what a storied history you've had. <laughs> yeah, just keep being around. Uh, so then we have to head back to Taylor and Summer, who are searching for pancakes and in the attic. Summer finally gives up, and she's like, the attic is the only place this rabbit could be. Yeah. And this is the this is the next time where this house exists in a quantum state where it's everyone's house. Because this is an attic. Like, yeah. A real attic with a skeleton. Yeah, they, they go up, they scream when they see the skeleton, but uh, Summer says it's Uncle Blank. It's Uncle Alistair. Yeah. And it's Neil's skeleton from med school. And I'm just going to say. They put, it out, they put it out on Halloween, I think is what she said. I work in a med school, and not a one of my students has a skeleton. <laughs> but I mean... I have like 600 students. None of them have skeletons. Yeah, but I mean, he's a wildly wealthy man. I bet he bought it when he graduated and was like, I want to keep that for my remembrance. <laughs> it was like the one that's in the anatomy lab, like at your office. Yeah. And he was like, may I buy that skeleton? And I mean, he's... I think she said he put it out for Halloween. Yeah. So, you know, he had a purpose for it. But at this point, this is the Roberts house. It's been there. It did not go with them anywhere. It's been living in the attic mm-hmm. since all those women have been living in the house. So cool. Now, mm. as they search, Taylor continues to be sad about her mom and how her mom doesn't even think of her. Not a single phone call during this massive earthquake. Yeah. And she's like, oh, wouldn't it be nice to have family that cared about you? <laughs> Summer is like, the other thing I learned, you just make your own family. Taylor... My dad is now on Grey's Anatomy. But look at all these people. Who, people threw you a surprise party that was not a surprise. Yeah. <laughs> you wanted it to be a surprise. Um, the It's a super 
like nice conversation, but I do feel like they shot in this way that's almost as flipping like offhanded thing. But it feels like it's a very supposed to be a very big dramatic moment, and it should be very important for Taylor. And then it kind of loses its importance based on other yeah. things that happen in this episode. Yeah, yeah, they have this talk which I think is supposed to be like, oh, it's the lesson she learns, but they're like, no, it's not. <laughs> no, her lesson is earthquakes can be good. Yeah, so they um they hear something in the vents. And they're like, oh, and they pull, like, the duct out. And yeah, I, that doesn't seem good. Yeah. And, I, and I'm like, oh, there's no way it's going to be pancakes because they're in the vents in an attic. Spoiler alert. It's pancakes. Pancakes somehow got into the ventilation system in the attic. Did not burn up. Did, I mean, I guess the power's all out, so. Yeah, that's true. Like, I guess the air is... <laughs> So they're trying to get Pancakes out of this vent that Pancakes has no business being in because it is not a badger from an episode of New Girl. <laughs> no, no, they're just... Pancakes and, is there. But uh, they don't rescue Pancakes right away because aftershock. Yeah. So something falls in the uh, ice cream shop. The attic is a disarray, but then two terrible things happen. Seth is being very <laughs> successful at changing that tire yeah. until the aftershocks happen and the car falls off the jack. And it just, like, breaks the tire. And the axle. the axle. And Seth's, like, uh, we're done forever. And Sandy is, like, dealing with the aftershock. He's keeping everyone cool. And he <laughs> sees Kirsten standing on a ledge. She's standing on the stairs. And <laughs> I don't... Look, I mean, yeah, people are caught on the stairs, but there's something... Were, she's not even on the stairs. She's standing near the stairs. I, well, she's standing on, like, the landing partway up the stairs. It yeah. goes up and then it turns and goes up. And, like, don't get me wrong. It, it, there, there is something unintentionally comedic about it. Because literally she's, like, she's just a couple steps up on a, on a landing. A pretty secure landing, to be fair. She's grabbing onto the railing. Yeah. And I feel like she probably should just lie down. Yeah. Which, but I mean, I guess we don't know we earthquakes. We don't know earthquakes work. Anyway, she disappears. And then yep. the bookstore owner is like, Mr. Cohen, she's here. And she's laying on the ground. And she touches her stomach and says, Sandy, something is wrong. So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. What'd you learn this week? Well... As our listeners obviously know, River the OC is almost done. Mm -hmm. And that means we have to watch other things until Riverdale comes back. But when does Riverdale come back? We did some research. And we found out January? <laughs> yeah, the, the best we got is January. We know they're filming. Uh, we have found out some information from some call sheets. Oh, I love when people try to parse out information on that. So what we do know is that they are going to do the last three episodes of season four that they didn't film. Yeah, and then do the time jump. And the time jump is five-ish years, although Lily Reinhardt says it's seven years. I thought Camilla said seven years. Camilla said five-ish, and oh. Lily said seven. I guess that's still around the ish range. Now, that does not bring it in line with Katie Keene, but that's fine because that show got canceled. <laughs> For being bad. It was a bad show. Meanwhile, Riverdale keeps going because it's just bad enough. So, Kevin, here's the question. Mm. Who will join Riverdale season five? Oh, God. Jughead's new girlfriend, Jessica. She's on the call. She does female, 
20s, open ethnicity, which in some ways seems really diverse and progressive, but in other ways we should tell the stories that people have lived experiences yeah, you, in. You, you still cast a whole bunch of white people if you say open ethnicity. <laughs> yup. So, what else? Jessica, a train wrecky hipster. Jessica okay. is Jughead's live-in girlfriend. Jessica makes no secret of the fact that she's done with their relationships, and she can see that she's not as important as the book that as important to him as the book that he's not writing. Reoccurring guest star. So I'm gonna guess she's gonna be really, really skinny and like that blonde hair that's like too long, kind of <laughs> like the girl in you. Okay. I think that's what she's gonna be. All right. But op- open ethnicity. Mm-hmm. Next character, Veronica's husband, Chad Gecko. That has to be a stand-in name, right? There's no way they're going to name... Yeah, there's no way they can name him Chad, Chad Gecko. Gecko. You know, like Garden Gecko. You know, like Wall Street. The call sheet says, male, 20s, white. Chad is Veronica's controlling and neurotic husband who works on Wall Street. Though charming, his failed Ponzi scheme and shady deals with Hiram reveals his moral duplicity, putting Chad's life in danger, reoccurring guest star. I have a question. <laughs> Does a failed pon- What's a failed Ponzi scheme? Is that a Ponzi scheme that you were caught doing, or is that a Ponzi scheme that never took off? It's a bad Ponzi scheme. Like, <laughs> like what, what is the quanti- quantification of a failed Ponzi scheme? And like, I just so so. What I'm wondering is, so are we getting, um, like they're going to essentially break, uh, let's say, uh, Jughead and Betty up in the those last three episodes. Because apparently, the first episode will be prom. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because here's the thing: if there's anything I know about Riverdale, they could break them up pretty fast. I mean, Betty and Archie did kiss. Yeah. Um, or are they going to do the thing where they skip forward and everything things has have changed? Happened. I wouldn't be surprised if they did the things have happened. Now, now, now let's now, try to piece together what happened. The problem I have with that is that is a cool way of doing things. <laughs> <laughs> Here's an article heading Riverdale Season 5 Theories. Fans expose Charles's videotape killer. What? Duh. What? <laughs> It's, it, here's the thing. It has to be Charles. It has to be Charles. it was not Charles. This is a bad show. What was he doing for that entire season? And like, Expose. They're not exposing anything. It's a theory. Yeah. So do you want to have some more n- new characters? Oh, God. Yeah, sure. Right Tabitha Tate. Pop Tate Alvin Sanders has been in Riverdale since season one, but very little is known about him. Because he's not a main character, so they haven't been focusing on him. He was previously the owner of Pop Tate's chocolate shop, but now acts as the manager on Veronica's behalf. <laughs> Sorry, just just saying very little known about him is it almost seems to imply that the audience hasn't asked him enough questions. Like, it's our fault. <laughs> well, We're not as I, engaged with his I past about anything. as we should be. I mean, in this episode of, of the OC, it could be like, oh, well, we're introduced to Gary. Very little is known about him. He's a mysterious figure. (laughs) What? What? Now, granddaughter Tabitha Tate is coming to Riverdale and is described as an ambitious and entrepreneurial woman. She will arrive in the suburban town. All right. Sure. With a mission to turn Pop's chocolate shop into a franchise diner, even within the dying town of Riverdale. What does that mean? What? None of that makes sense. And here is our final character, who is also an obvious grab for diversity. And mm. I'm on board with it, but also Riverdale. Riverdale's been good with it. 
There have been talks of Archie joining the Naval Academy, but he will actually end up joining the Army. What? Do they understand that the Navy also fights in wars? What? 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 (laughs) This is where he will meet Eric Jackson, who goes through a life-changing event with the former Riverdale High student. The call sheet reads, male, 20s, open ethnicity, a veteran who lost his leg and suffered third-degree burns while fighting in the army with Archie. I think by army they may mean naval forces. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think those are tech. They're, I, I uh, mean, people do refer to all armed forces as the army. Yeah, because army, ar- army technically is the ground forces. But I've heard enough people refer to the army as everything that I'm willing to believe these people are just like army. Who's the army? So wild that Archie has a friend who was very, very injured, and I'm sure Archie will be fine, except for the emotional feelings. <laughs> I'm sure they're going to show a scene where he gets gravely injured, but he has no scars. So, cool, Riverdale. That's a... All right, moving on. Ironically, Eric joins Archie to help run the fire department in Riverdale. Wait, no. Okay, no. So that has to be that he's going to run the fire department, or not Archie, right? Not Archie. Archie Archie is already running a community center with Monroe. And... Where has Monroe gone? And the... Oh, he's on this season, and he's not on the show anymore, Aaron. How dare we have that diversity? He could have had an interesting storyline. No, you're only allowed to have one black character, and they're only allowed to pretend to be a lead. We won't give them storylines. Monroe and Reggie cannot be in the same episodes together. That's too much diversity. (laughs) If we do too much diversity, it's no longer diverse. But Eric is still dealing with his own trauma, which leads him to a darker place. Actors who are... Actors are... mm, Sorry, this is all caps. So I have to say it with all caps inflection. I mean, okay. Actors who are leg amputees are encouraged to submit reoccurring guest star. Cool. And then finally, Riverdale is available to watch on Netflix. Cool. Man, none of that excites me. I just don't trust them to do any of this well. This just all feels like tokenism. There, well, I mean, well, especially considering how they never actually give any of their diverse characters storylines. Story like Monroe, who could have had super interesting storylines, just like pops up to be like, hey, no one should try to give me drugs because I'm going to go to Notre Dame. But now I hurt <laughs> my knee because Stonewall... So I guess I have to take a little bit of drugs. Yeah, like... One episode. Which which is funny because Monroe was never set up as a main character, but consider that towards, like... Josie. Josie, who was, who was billed from season one a main character, and they never... And they gave her, like... Only got a storyline when she was dating Archie. Yeah. Yeah, and... And then they gave her one, which was her leaving. <laughs> which was all tied up in her dating Archie. yeah. Or I or mean, Reggie. You know what? To be fair, Reggie has. There's never been a Reggie centric episode. No, I mean, there. There. He's had his storylines when it's like the the one where he pranked uh, Honey, Honey, <laughs> which was kind of a Reggie's, but it was more about Mister Honey. And there was also the episode where Archie was like, "Sometimes dads are bad." Yeah, when 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 his dad abused him, and then he broke his car, and now he no longer is abused. And let's not even talk about Kevin, who was. Like, I mean, he was a th- when he was in the comic books, he broke new ground, being the first openly gay character in the Archie comics, and the only storylines that Kevin Keller gets are about being gay. Yeah, he gets no. He only can only be in a storyline if it is about and pertaining to him being gay, especially when he's put in danger because he's gay. Like, why can't he just have a storyline about wanting to solve a teen mystery? <laughs> nope. 
Nope. Even even in the cult storyline, it's because him and Fangs have yep. feelings. Yeah, yeah. So Riverdale, do better. Montage, earthquake montage. Yeah, that have Bob. This is just gonna happen every time. Um. So after the aftershocks, all of the phone lines are down. Seth is like, "Well, <laughs> the car is destroyed. The phone lines are down." I got to go on foot. I got to walk to the hospital or anyone who has a car. Yeah. Or yeah, I like I'll 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 just go, but Ron's like, "No. I have to go with you." I'm like, "Why?" I mean, I guess yes, you want to go to the hospital sooner, but you are so injured, lost so much blood, you should not be walking. Yeah, the walking is going to make it's it going it worse. It's going to make it worse. But Seth tries to keep it okay by having more fun banter about the punching. Sandy and Kirsten, however, do get to the hospital. Very easily. Their car mm. is fine. Yeah. But Sandy, this is the first time in a very long time we have seen Sandy lose his cool. Yeah. He brings Kirsten and he's like, my wife! My wife is injured! No, I will say they do a very bad job of explaining themselves for a long time. Because they don't explain that she's pregnant just, and fell downstairs. Yeah, they say, they say, oh, she's fallen downstairs. He says, okay, is she injured? And she's like, no, no, she's fine. He's like, okay, well then... We'll have to go. And then, like, almost like it's a secret. He's like, no, no, no. She's pregnant. And, like, she's like, four months pregnant. She's pregnant enough that. Like, like we we know. <laughs> so he tells the emergency room doctor, no, no, she's pregnant. Like, she needs to skip the line. Yeah. And to be fair, Sandy, you're not in charge of triage. Yeah. Pregnant woman probably moves pretty far ahead in triage. But there's people around there who probably are very, very injured. Someone died. Also, going and talking to... Some random emergency room doctor is not the solution to this problem. Go talk to the triage nurse. But But some very kind man overhears this and is like, a pregnant woman? (laughs) Give her my spot. I guess he must go into the hospital because he already has an an ambulance. He already has a neck brace. And he's like icing his hand. But they call his number or name. And he's like, go, go. You can have my spot. There are... I mean, we don't know the American healthcare system. That's true. Um, there are things here where, like, there's moments where it seems like this show was supposed to be doing this thing where it's like, oh, we all come together by the kindness of strangers. But they only ever do it in this one scene. And I don't understand why this man is moved by this. Yeah. I don't know. Meanwhile, <laughs> Caitlin is finally starting to worry about the fact that they're trapped in an ice cream shop. Mm-hmm. All the ice cream is melted. There was yeah. an aftershock. Yeah. And Julie's like, yeah, you know what? It's time for Julie Cooper to go to the roof. I'll figure out what's happening. And Gary, who is clearly faking the whole washed out pier thing, pretends to have an asthma attack. And then Caitlin Cooper... Um, Who apparently is a junior lifeguard. She is a first aider. Hello, my name is Caitlin Cooper. I'm a first aider. Can I help you? Uh, decides he's having an asthma attack, so I'll give him chest compressions. <laughs> I mean, she first wants to give him an EpiPen. Well, she yeah, Well, she, she says inhaler and then EpiPen. And he responds to neither of those things. And she's <laughs> like, well, I guess I have to do CPR. CPR. Don't do CPR on someone having an asthma attack. You'll just overinflate their lungs. They're still... Like their airway is so tiny. <laughs> that's d- don't do that. Also, don't do chest compressions on someone who has <laughs> asthma attack. Conscious you'll, and breathing, you'll just break a rib. Well, she's very. I mean, Caitlin's not going to break a rib. <laughs> someone else could. Yeah. Don't learn from Caitlin. Anyway, she does the CPR, and he French kisses her because <laughs> yeah. he's a creep. Because he's a creep. 
we get a little bit more of Summer, uh, Summer and Taylor because Pancakes has escaped in the chaos of the aftershock. And Summer explains she cannot worry about the fact that Seth and Ryan have been gone for like an hour. Yeah. She can only focus on Pancakes. Yes. Also, the radio is broken. And also, the windows are broken because someone is breaking into the house right now. And I thought that was Frank. <laughs> I thought it was Frank as well. But uh, it, it's, it's not Frank. Because we're going to go back to the pier where Garrett is talking about the fact that Caitlin is so beautiful and fate trapped her in this ice cream shop with him. Now, this is wild to me because he says, um, I just wanted to make it go on for as long as possible. And Julie goes, what do you mean? And I'm like, you haven't figured it out? And he talks about how... I, like, I'm like, I guess. I guess you just thought he took advantage of the situation versus... Manu- this is the girl he was... Manufactured yeah. the situation? So he talks about how Caitlin comes in all the time and she just looks right through him. And I'm like, yeah, dude, you'll work at the ice cream shop. Like, that's... Like, what What? What did you want her to do? Like, I mean, I guess they're teenagers. Yeah. And maybe they go to school together. It's unknowable. It's unknowable. It's unclear. It, but, like... Obviously, here's what here's what I'll say. Be nice to your servers. You don't got to be that nice. And you know what? If your server is being nice to you, it is probably their job. And you probably shouldn't write them love poems or letters with your phone number or give them cards. They're like, ooh, this is a tip. This is better than money, right? It's my phone number. It's not better than money. Give them a real tip. Yeah, no. As e- someone every- who... <laughs> Everyone, when you're, in a, when you're in a business arrangement, don't also do a romance arrangement. No one really wants to be there. It doesn't... It's not real life. That's just movies. And I guess Garrett knows he's in a TV show. Uh, so Kirsten uh, heads... Oh, she's you know, heads in. She's she's in her, you know, little help thing. Uh, though I'm not quite sure how her taking the guy's place who uh, who had, like, neck problems and that got her into an ultrasound. But she got the ultrasound. The baby is alive. But sometimes when you fall down the stairs, <laughs> disasters can happen. The doctor, continuing this show's really bad depiction of doctors, the doctor's like... the. There's a heartbeat. Your baby's fine. However, here's what could happen. And they're like, uh, she's like, like, did that happen? And she goes, I have to go. We'll have to run some tests. Like, it seems like she's hiding something. And like, the no- I don't know. I just like watch communications classes. But the normal thing to do was, okay, so we have great news. The baby seems to be fine. We just want to run a few more tests to make sure that we're covering all angles. Yeah, not, not like... Not like, your baby's fine, but maybe not. Yeah, like, it seems real bad bedside manner. Back at the ice cream shock shop, there's a commotion at the, the ice door. ice cream shock. It's shocking because... It's Frank! Frank! Frank has arrived. He's not at the, the Cooper Roberts household. And uh, Julie's like, how did you get here? The pier is washed out. And he's like, I've walked here. The pier's not washed with out. My hand, with my feet? <laughs> The beer is no. not washed out. Don't be ridiculous. Now, in our most serious storyline, Ryan and Seth are still walking, and Seth is, like, trying to keep Ryan's spirits up by talking about tertiary characters. <laughs> They're just going back over the series, and he's playing things where it's like, who'd you rather be locked in an island with? Cool Sandy or 
He, who's who's a better server, Chloe, the one off character from this episode, or, or Danny, the guy who had the gun at the party? The guy who had the gun at the party. Like it's it's great, and I kind of wish there was more of it because that is how you do a retrospective of the season: is have people talk about tertiary characters. <laughs> now, finally, Ryan can walk no further. You know they've gone so far away from this nice, comfortable car. So Seth puts him down on the side of the road and is like. I will be right back. Against all odds, I will be right back. Yeah, now, now Ryan wants to stay, and Seth is like, are you sure you can't keep going? I, and wouldn't it have been nice if Ryan had just stayed in the car? It's, the, he could have reclined, kept his body in like a prone position, which I, would be good for the bleeding. I just want to make this clear. I understand that people should not be making the perfect choices in these dramas, but I wish we understood their reasoning. I just don't understand why Ryan is a dope in this episode. <laughs> Like, the the things that I know, all I need is them to make the barest thing. Like, Ryan like Ryan could just have a moment where it's like, I don't want to be here alone. I'm scared. Let me go with you. And sure, it sucks that he's walking at that point. And like, it's, it's dumb. And it's dumb. But at least you understand the, like, the character reasoning. At this point, the only, re- the only reason he ever gives for, for why they're in this situation is like, oh, well, Taylor has a thing about blood and I didn't want to. I'm like... And you know Taylor. Taylor would have been fine. If you had shown it to her, she would have freaked out a little bit. And then Taylor, of all characters, would have rallied. Yeah, or even if she didn't rally... You already called Seth. (laughs) Ryan, (laughs) this is so much more dangerous. And if you die, she'll be a lot sadder. Mm -hmm. Speaking of Taylor... Taylor has stolen Jimmy Cooper's flare gun, this is our, which I guess Julie moved with. This is our third time where this house has been in a quantum state. In this case, it has always been the Cooper household because it holds the flare gun, which... there's Why did Jimmy not take that on his boat life? Why didn't... Did, did, the, I was trying to figure out... Okay, so wait, did that go from... The Cooper household to the uh, Cohen Cooper household. No, to, it's it, not Cooper Cohen. Cohen, the um, the one where she was. Didn't who, she live in like a motel for a while, and then into the um, Cooper Cohen household, then into the trailer, uh, then into the Cooper Roberts house? Yeah, like like this. This is what I mean by I think at this point. You know what? At this point, just give Julie a gun. <laughs> at this, well, I mean that would have made this next scene a lot more unfortunate. <laughs> um. I don't know. It's or it, this they they really do not know how to deal with this house anymore because it seems like sometimes they are treating like this. Oh, this is the Cooper's house. Or put it in Caitlin's room. Caitlin stole it from her dad because Caitlin. it was the one thing she had from her dad. You know, actually, when she first had it, I just thought it was Taylor's. That part of her preparedness kit was, was a flare gun. Was a goddamn flare gun. And if she said you you can you never need a flare gun, you can never be too prepared. I have a flare gun. I'd be like, yeah, yeah you do. Of all the ridiculous things that happened in this episode that we've been nitpicking, I would not have nitpicked Taylor has a flare gun in her preparedness kit. No, Taylor loves this flare gun. Oh, she 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 gives a full-on action role with this flare gun. And she shoots the intruder, sort of. Well, she shoots like a chandelier. She shoots a chandelier and then it shoots like a hot thing straight down and it's... It's Taylor's mom. It's Taylor's mom. Um, <laughs> I don't know what her... her her mom, I don't know why she entered the house the in thus away. Why she didn't knock on the front door like a human? Or call. I don't understand why she broke a window. I don't understand why she was, like, sneaking around the kitchen. Well, and she broke, like, more than one window. Like, they heard several <laughs> breaking noises. Yeah. 
Yeah. Montage. Yeah. It turns out that Taylor shot Veronica's toe slightly. Yeah. Um, and now she's like, I need to go to the hospital. So and Taylor's like, like, we have no cars, Mom. <laughs> you can't walk. What do you want me to do? Yeah. She says, There's no way. And it's too dangerous out there. And it's a whole bunch of things. And, and then Summer comes down and Pancakes is also hurt. Yeah. He has a little limp. <laughs> Summer's going to get a little bit trash in these upcoming scenes. <laughs> So Pancakes has a little limp, and Taylor's like, well, I hate my mom, so yeah, let's take Pancakes to the hospital. <laughs> but now her mom's like, you're not leaving me here, so this entire convoy becomes... Taylor's Taylor. gonna ride the bike. <laughs> yep. Carrying her mom in a wagon behind her. And her mom refuses to carry Pancakes. So Summer, Summer just... will walk with them. <laughs> will just walk behind them. Which means... They honestly could have just cared. Like, they didn't have to do the wagon on a bike. Well, for Veronica, she can't walk. Well, no, but they could have just pulled the wagon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess maybe a bike is stronger than a person. And maybe Summer is going to do the thing where she sits on the handlebars again. <laughs> with <laughs> So rap. Taylor's just moving everyone. Just, mo- just with her strong Taylor legs, just moving everyone. So Julie and Frank move out of the ice cream shop, and Caitlin's like, you're full of lies, Garrett. And he's like, I am, but I'm not sorry because this is the best night of my life. You saw me as a human and not an ice cream boy. And I'm just like, who are you? Why do I care about this? I don't care. Gary, it is the second last episode of this series. I don't have time to care about you. And then Caitlin learns that sometimes the people who serve you food this, are worthy of love? This this is, can I just say, this is makes so much sense for Caitlin's final scene. Because once again, they gave her a storyline that doesn't that mean anything. It <laughs> doesn't mean anything. <laughs> it's... Why is this series not about Caitlin being smart and trying to find a dad? <laughs> Those are the storylines that make sense. And not knowing well, what to do with her intelligence. Those are the storylines that make sense. Is that, are they just like, the fact that they keep on experimenting with, what do you think? Like, I guess they're, they're trying to be like, oh, it's Caitlin learning to be a nice person. But I'm like... But, we know that Caitlyn is nice when Caitlyn wants to be nice. Well, and not only that, like, you did that better with the bullet storyline than you did with this random kid. Extra storyline when she already learned it. <laughs> and so she essentially says to him, well, I guess I'll come back and get ice cream from you again and maybe I'll talk to you. Cool, dude. He lied to them and kept them trapped in an ice cream shop. <laughs> now, to be fair, even if it wasn't there, like, that's why I really wish they had it. You just brought up a line being like, oh, we can't say on this pier. It's dangerous on the pier. Yeah. But I guess if they did that, then his the thing he did would be too cruel. Well, and I think they are supposed to stay where they are as long as it's safe. Yeah. And the pier is probably not, th- like, they probably should have gone back to solid land. Yeah. I'm so, sure that was a recommendation. Yeah. So probably what it was, was that, like... They knew that if they put out that the pier was dangerous to stay on, then Gary keeping there would be unredeemable. But, like, definitely, <laughs> it was dangerous to stay on. Yeah, like, the the problem is that, that you can't have it both ways. You can't pretend that it actually wasn't dangerous, but yet have them constantly wanting to get off of it. And, and then... like, there's no way it wasn't dangerous. Science. <laughs> well, speaking of science and doctors, I guess that's a good, yeah. that's a good segue. So Sandy fetches some coffee for himself and Kirsten. Yeah. And he comes upon the doctor, and this is how you know that Sandy is a mess, because he says to the doctor, hey, 
if anything's wrong, you'll tell us, right? Mm-hmm. And maybe you'll tell me first so I can prepare my wife. But what I really mean is so I can be sad by myself and not in front of her. Yeah, he he, he kind of uh, just emotes at, at the her. doctor. And then the doctor looks very torn we, and upset. Can we talk about this doctor? Whoever's the actor for this doctor is. Can we talk about how she's playing this scene like he just caught her doing a line of coke? It's like she knows that that baby is going to die in 27 hours, and she doesn't know how to tell them. Now, like, she's so... And the, the camera lingers on her at the end, and Looking she's like... conflicted? And she, like, smiles. It's like... It's like what? <laughs> and you know what? This, this episode is jam-packed. I don't need this storyline of Sandy losing his faith in the goodness of the world. But that's, like, not even... I don't know. I don't know what the storyline is. None story of these storylines matter. Well, I mean, now to another storyline that's about to take a very weird turn. Daryl is hanging out with his homeless friends. They're just hanging out on the beach. They're, they don't care. And on comes Seth. And he's like, oh my god, a person I know. <laughs> do you, you don't happen to have a car. <laughs> Which some homeless people do. Some homeless people do. They live in their cars. Daryl does not have a car. No, all he has is the shopping cart, his only thing in the world. And Seth's like, yeah, I need that. And Daryl's like, what if I give you my pants instead? <laughs> instead, said Seth trades. Now, when he said the car thing, I'm like, so you want to get the hospital fact faster. Okay. Then when he gets the shopping cart, I'm like, that's not going to make you move faster. Well, he can faster. push Ryan, so then no one has to go back to get Ryan. Yeah, that is what I learned he was apparently doing. Though, it feels like he already got a good distance and then turned around yeah. and went back with a shopping cart. He could have just kept going. And we know where Ryan was stabbed. You're not getting him in a shopping cart in any good way that won't tear that wound more. You know how our baby niece likes to do a downward dog because she doesn't know how to crawl and she tries to crawl like puppies do. He's going to put Ryan face down in a yes. shopping cart. Yes. Anyway, he's just doing what he can. He's just panicking. He says, Daryl, I'll trade you the car. <laughs> Gives her the key. For sure, some Cohen adult is going to trade that back later, but it's fine. Yeah, what's Daryl going to do with the car? Yeah. I mean, the it's, car is... It's undrivable. Yeah. But that's fine. You could live in the car. Like, fortunately, it's on a very public road in the middle of the road, so yeah, that, that's not going to last. It's going to get moved. So Summer um, uh, arrives, arrives at the hospital mm-hmm. and begs the same ER doctor that Sandy aggressed at earlier. Yeah, to please fix, please fix pancakes. Can we just say that if Summer wasn't a main character of this series and she was just someone you heard about who, in the middle of an emergency, begged for her rabbit to get priority an treatment, X-ray? an X-ray. That person is trash. I wish there had been a line where he was like, okay, well, you're Dr. Robert's daughter, so I'll do what I can. But instead, the doctor's just like, I did a year of vet school. Well, I'll take that bunny. I actually wish there was a line, line where he's like, well, things have slowed down. Mm-hmm. We, I just I just needed some indication that she wasn't taking... Why this human hospital but... was giving up a human slot to a <laughs> rabbit who... Sprained their ankle? Like, remember that guy with the brace and, like, I think I was wanting him to be like, no, give the rabbit my space again. It's like, <laughs> do you just not want to go into... Do you just not want to go home? It's like, I'm happier here. My family is very mad about this earthquake, <laughs> and I would like them to get over it before I go back home. 
Does anybody else want to take my spot? I will continually give it to anybody with a with a uh, particularly sad reasoning. You woman, it seems your leg, your foot is mildly injured. Hmm, go ahead. Oh, you appear to have a hangnail. That should be bandaged. <laughs> I will say we will see that at some point. Uh, uh, Taylor's mom does get treated. I am going to believe, and I have to believe this way, because everything seems fine in the morning, that she was one of the last ones treated. <laughs> she said she needed a plastic surgeon immediately, but I do think they just bandaged it and gave yeah. her crutches. I am I am willing. I, that is the way I have to see this, because we already have to give Summer put her rabbit. <laughs> Ahead of humans. Ahead of humans. Now... Her, her rabbit who may not even be that injured, honestly. Meanwhile, Frank is driving in his car. Yeah. How he got his car out of that traffic jam he was in is <laughs> it unknowable. Seems, it seems like he actually didn't do the... Ru- like, I thought he was going to get out of his car and run down the road. I think he just waited. Yeah, I think so too, which is why it took him so long. Yeah. Although he did say, I just got your voicemails, not, I was waiting in a traffic jam. <laughs> so he's driving and he inadvertently makes some parallels between himself and Garrett. Like, well, sometimes a man likes a girl, he tells elaborate lies. Wait, what, what lies did he tell? <laughs> did Frank tell? No, to specifically, I guess. But no, but no what, he's talking to Julie, and he says, "Well, I understand why he lied to you guys because when a guy likes a girl, he tells lies." So is he saying that Caitlin told lies? No, Garrett told lies. No, but who is he? Who is he drawing the parallel between Aaron himself? That's why I was saying, what lies did he tell Julie? Uh, maybe the lies where he was trying to blackmail her. No, but Aaron, that was before he liked her. He liked her then. We're we're saying that he liked her immediately. Yeah. God, that makes it worse. It's pretty obvious that that's what's going on here. <laughs> well, I understand he was trying to do the parallel thing. I thought it was a bad parallel. And then Caitlin's like, yeah, and sometimes when guys are weirdos, girls do things to keep them away from them. <laughs> I'm really sorry I posted your mugshot everywhere and did clown porn. Yeah, they sort of do this thing now where they, like, debrief the last episode. And We're done with that. No one cares. And now Caitlin is somehow cool with Frank. Like... I think that's what they thought this episode would do for Caitlyn. That she... And that's not what this episode did for Caitlyn. Yeah, I'm making a stone face at Kevin because he knows how I feel about that. They didn't succeed at that. No, what... Like, what they... If they wanted to give her something like that, what she should have done is somehow... And obviously this wouldn't have worked either because unfortunately they did so good a job with Bullet. She should have tried to call Bullet and he didn't come, but Frank did... I guess. I guess maybe Bullet was too far away and Bullet was trying to make it, but Frank made it there first. Well, and the storyline is about, like, the guy who's there matters. Yeah, but, well, I mean, the problem is that then it shouldn't have been that Frank should have just, or Bullet, they would have had to have Bullet just not want to come or something like that. Not being, un, I guess being unable to might also work. I don't know. Unfortunately, that's not what they did. I don't understand why Caitlin's now suddenly made up with Frank. It's been literally, like, six hours since. Well, luckily... Caitlin sees Seth and then sees Ryan from the car, so we don't have to dwell on this because Frank's going to save his son. Yeah, that's where I realized that Seth was bringing his child coming back to Ryan. I thought we'd just see Seth in a shopping cart just going down the hill towards the <laughs> hospital. It's like, if I crash, at least I'm at a hospital. So at the hospital, Veronica has been treated and Taylor's like, Mom, I'm really sorry I shot you in the toe. You are still my mom and I still love you. Please don't hit me. <laughs> I don't think she says that. It's implied. Um, yeah, then her mom's mom does this whole thing where it's like, 
like when I suddenly I'm, I thought of like you know I, I the only thing I thought of was coming to see you because you were in trouble and like who well did Veronica <laughs> even know that Taylor lived in the Robert's house I assume she did at some point the problem we had is that literally earlier this season we had the exact opposite of this where Taylor was legitimately in the hospital in a coma and Veronica wouldn't leave. Yeah, it's a Victoria. Some no, it's Veronica. Veronica. Something wild has been going on off camera. I guess I, she does say, "I'm such a bad mom that you thought I was an intruder rather than your mother coming to see you." And I'm like, "Well, that's because you broke into the house. Because you broke in like an intruder." <laughs> so I mean, all Taylor wanted was her mom to come, and her mom does say, "I love you too." So yeah. I guess that storyline's resolved. But this is what we mean by like earlier. They sort of set up this thing where we thought her mom doesn't care about Taylor's wellness. Yeah, and the weird thing is that that would be fine because we have the talk between Summer and Taylor, being like, "Hey, sometimes you get to pick your family, find what your family is, and it doesn't matter those other things." So but they, now it's like, sometimes your mother matters. Yeah, they really did this ham-fisted, like, they really wanted, like, oh, actually, actually, every, there's no bad people. Even Frank, he's not a bad person. No one in the world is bad. And now, I'm like, I mean, that's... I'm going to talk about the Veronica Taylor thing a little bit when we get to the end montage. Okay. But we're not there yet. No. Right now, we're Ryan waking up in a hospital bed with blood attached to him because he is... <laughs> been bleeding for so long <laughs> that <one. laughs> he got a transfusion. Yeah, the scene where he comes in when Seth first sees him, Ryan is anemic. <laughs> now, let me tell you some things that I have learned about, you know, fatal, like, trauma situations. Yeah. The first step is not to transfuse blood <laughs> just to get fluid levels up. Mm -hmm. So he was pumped full of fluids trying to, like, get his levels to stabilize, and they were still like, oh, oh, no. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he's so unstable, we have to give him a blood transfusion. Like, this is a very far-on step. Yeah. This is not the first thing you do when a guy shows up with a massive pane of glass in his back. And and to be fair, this could be as late as noon in the day. Like, this could, like, considering how when the, when the earthquake actually happened. Which was probably, like, 9 p.m. Yeah, and then considering how everything that happened after that, judging by Seth and Ryan... Like, their storyline is the only one I can really judge from. Mm -hmm. It's It was only a few hours, so he could have been in that hospital for at least 12 hours already. So anyway, he awakens, and Seth is there, and Seth explains that they're now truly brothers, blood brothers, because conveniently they have the same blood type. Well, they're, so, they're, they're both O-negative. Which is wild. Which is wild. Like, like, like Seth, Seth said, that you, Seth implies that he has O-negative blood, which is universal but donor. But then he says, O-negative brothers gotta stick together. Which, and the thing is, if you have O-negative blood, you can only get donations from O-negative, which means, they, <laughs> they really play this like, oh, look, we gotta stick together. I'm like, no, there's like, like. <laughs> this is wildly. That's wildly lucky. The fact we didn't see that on screen of being like, oh, he's O-negative. <laughs> If only they had cut one of the dumb storylines. No, yeah, it's, yeah, they, they really just slid by everything that could be possibly dramatic in an episode about an earthquake. Then Ryan makes a, no, Seth makes a great joke because Ryan's like, "Oh, I'm so inspired to listen to Death Cab for Cutie and be angsty," and mm. Seth is like, oh, "We can do a body swap comedy and get two more seasons out of this," and that is the best line ever. Yeah. Uh, Seth sort of fills in that, like, every other storyline, like, ah, these people, these people are fine, and then brings up, like, the Kirsten thing. He's like, but Kirsten's still getting more tests, 
And then immediately. Immediately they walk in and they're like, ah, no, we're cool. The baby's fine. She's fine. The baby is a girl. Can I just say. Wait, was the test that she was like, I know what the gender is. Should I tell them? What? Yeah. like, Is that why the doctor looked like that? Can I just say, as happy as this ending is, this ending really does make everything that happened before it seem kind of. Like, I guess she, yeah, I guess she was worried, but like it, in in the end, she was wrong. Yeah, and even to the last second, being like, Ooh. yeah, j- j- I mean, I'm not saying that I wanted to have a complication, but like they spent so long being like, if if she says it, then she, then there's something wrong because she would never do this. Like there has to be something, and it turns out zero complication, no, nothing. She is up walking around, nothing has looking great, nothing has gone wrong at all. Like, just do a thing where you're like, oh, she's going to be in bed for the rest of her pregnancy. Because guess what? There's one episode left, so you can skip over that bed rest. It's not going to impede any storytelling. Yeah, like, I don't know. It does feel like they should have given her something. Like, oh, she's going to need, like, you know, they have, just just give a weird flippant thing where it's like, oh, she has to take these pills, or I don't know. She has to eat a lot of steak because her iron levels can get dangerously low. Yeah, like, like, it's fine. But instead they they wanted it. They wanted this upcoming moment right here so now another montage not an earthquake montage a hospital leaving montage and the best thing about this montage is taylor's like bonding with her mom and then ryan walks by and taylor's like see ya and like gets all up on ryan and then as everyone leaves together everyone's having their leaving the hospital moment frank's there summer cuddles pancakes and the Coens kiss Julie and Veronica limps along by herself behind everyone on her crutches. Mm-hmm. No one walks beside her. No. Nope. So Taylor and Veronica are not really made up. No. Nope. Which is also another storyline we wasted an episode on or a minute on. We could have done the blood thing. <laughs> so as a part of this montage, Daryl's walking about carrying his bags of bottles he comes upon Seth's car. He's real happy, and he crawls into yeah. the back of it with his bottles. And now uh, all the Coens arrive. Arrive the Coens, the Atwoods arrive at their house, and it's looks know, great. It's great. It's it's it's. They're all home. They're fine. They're gonna make some bagels or something. Probably that's what they do. Then they throw open the door, and the house has no back. Well. Now, here's the thing. I am going to choose to believe that that there's other destruction as well. Because all you see and all it really looks like is the living room has collapsed in. Um, which, don't get me wrong, is bad. And, uh, you know, we don't know the architecture of this house. Yeah. Are there rooms on top of the living room? Don't we think, don't know. I don't think there is. The layout of this house has never made sense to us. Yeah, so, like... Honestly, and, and I guess in retrospect, this would be way ridiculous to film. I also thought they would come back home, open up the door, and just the entire back of the house was slid down into the valley below. Because, I don't know, I guess we'll see more of it next episode, but from what we just saw there, like, they spent the beginning of, I think, last season remodeling. And, like, we knew that house was going to be gone.
So, Aaron. Yes, Kevin. Throughout this episode, did you find yourself a CW moment? Did I find a CW moment? Did I find a moment where Logic walked into its perfectly standing home only to have a pelican there? And that pelican is drama. All right. The pelican of this episode is... So many things. Yeah, this this episode is really heavy in the fact that despite it being like the penultimate episode, I feel like nothing, I feel like everything that was resolved in the episode was brought up in the episode. Nothing drove the story forward. It didn't feel like... Everything a, only caused drama. It didn't feel like accumulation of the series Anything. or even the season. It just felt like... Wouldn't it have been lovely if like some of these characters had outstanding issues between them? And, like, the drama of the earthquake forced them to, like, bring the issues to head and discuss them. Well, unfortunately, the people who had the issues were probably Taylor and Ryan, and they separated them immediately. And they resolved their issues at the end of the last episode. Yeah. Yeah? Yeah. So, you know what, Kevin? No. I don't have a CW moment. I pick this entire GD episode. All right. Do you have a CW moment? I feel like I should pick one. Um, <laughs> the one I wrote down was... <laughs> That that doctor after I think I've, I'll, I've I think every time a doctor has appeared in this ep, in this series <laughs> I've given them a CW moment because they're not great with doctors. No, but when a doctor Doctor Harris was like, "Well, we got a heartbeat from your baby," and they're like, "Oh, that's great." It's like, yeah. Unfortunately, here are the other things that can happen, and they're like, "Did that happen?" I have to go. I have to run some tests. Like she she is playing. I don't know if it's the direction or the acting. The the fact that it's consistent makes me think it's the direction. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The I don't know why the direction was play this play this like you're hiding some heroin in your pocket and you're afraid they're gonna find it. Because he's got like I have to go. I can't be here right now. If Sandy, I... what are you doing out here in the hallway? How d- dare you be by where coffee is and by where I am? What do, and then he then he gives this big speech like. I'll tell you as soon as I know anything. And then and then the entire thing results with, Hi, I'm fine. Nothing was wrong. <laughs> if I were to pick a single moment, it might be Veronica breaking into the Roberts house. Yeah. Smashing things. <laughs> not knocking on the door like a human. The thing is that this episode, more than any other one, I can see all the fixes. Like, all the things you do where you could have still the same storyline. Like, as I said, Ryan... Taylor not knowing Ryan was stabbed would not change Taylor's storyline. No, because you know what? Even if Taylor knew, Taylor would very easily redirect her angst and her stress. To her mom. To her mom. Yeah, just like how Summer was kind of doing that. So easily they could have all known it, decided Seth has to bring Ryan to the hospital. And the girls are just so desperate to be like, okay, we're focusing on this. We're doing this. Yeah, then everything else would have been solved. Um, I I don't know if there's any saving. the. the, I mean, the curse in the Julie storyline should have been... Or sorry, not Kirsten. The Caitlin and the Julie should have been some some way figuring out some way for Caitlin to actually like Frank and for, for Frank the audience to, do to like actual Frank. heroics. Instead, of just he just appears up. He waits till the until the. <laughs> and you know what? If you want Sandy to be Sandy to be freaked out, mm-hmm. and you want him to talk to a doctor, just cut the scene where she says your baby has a heartbeat and it's fine, but maybe it's not fine. Yeah. And just have him come up to the doctor and say, if anything's going on, tell me first. They could have saved that by literally not even showing the scene where she tells him everything's fine. Yeah, just. just. Ju- well, I mean, just a scene where she walks walks up to saying, like, 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 all right, uh, Mr. Cohen. We're running I- some tests on your well, wife. Well, no, no, no. Can I please talk to you in the other room? Yeah. And then when, it re- then, when, then you show Sandy walking around the door and you're like, oh, my God, where's Kirsten? And she just comes up behind him. Yeah. It doesn't have to be a big thing, but for the audience, 
the last thing we know was Sandy was being taken away from the doctor to be told something. And then, boom, everything's fine. But and you, the something is, I know what the gender of your baby is. Do you guys want to know? Yeah, like... That's that, easy something. That is good and keeps the drama going in not a way where, like, you, you do this high-tension thing and then it fell way flat because you're like, and everything's fine. Who cares? And also, <laughs> it would have been fine if the thing had to be, like, she has to be on bed rest. Like, yeah. it's the second last episode. They, bed rest will wreck nothing. Yeah, they still they still should have given her something. Leave her in the hospital. They, she probably should have came home with them because they won't have the serial oh, yeah. in the house. But they should have been like, she's going to go home. She's going to be on bed rest. She could have been in a wheelchair. She could have been in a wheelchair. Like, it's fine. Yeah. So, it's um, so easily fixable in, in like, it feels like if they had someone edit the script, but I bet they had to change it because they realized they're not getting another season. Yeah. And they're like, oh my god, we gotta wrap all this stuff up quickly, write us an episode with an earthquake. So, next episode is the final episode. It is a normal length episode. Mm-hmm. It's not a double. Who knows what can occur? The Cohen house is gone. The one stable element of this show, the one thing that has always been. I really feel like they should have destroyed it more. It really still seems very salvageable. <laughs> but we'll see. We have one more episode of the OC. We have some rough ideas of what we're doing next. We'll yeah. talk about them next week. Yeah, because we got a gap between here and here and Riverdale. <laughs> January. January. This was a long episode because it's a penultimate episode. Yeah, and I feel like the next one's probably just going to be a big epilogue, so it might be shorter. So we'll see. Thanks, guys. Tell us how you felt about this. Hit us up on the social meds. It's Podcast MOA, Podcast MOA at Instagram, at Twitter, and at Gmail. You can also give us your rating reviews and subscriptions on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Play Music. I don't know if play Google Play yeah. things. Just pick your podcaster of choice and tell people to listen to us because Riverdale is coming and that is our bread and butter. We were the first Riverdale podcast. We will be the <laughs> we last. Will be- the last. <laughs> we will talk about Riverdale when no one cares anymore. <laughs> See you next week. Is the Cohen's house salvageable? How will the series end? Who will Daryl choose? Shopping cart or the car? For answers to all this and more, join us next week on Mystery Outsiders and Abs. A Teen Drama Fancast? <laughs>